have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. What a worship service. Praise the Lord. Amen. I just love to worship the Lord and I love to watch people worship the Lord and just enter in. There's something therapeutic about it, spiritually therapeutic. And um, I, I just love to worship God. God's people, believers, worship Him. Amen. We worship Him. If you don't want to worship Him, you need to come to the altar before you leave. Just because you come to church doesn't mean that you're a worshiper. But He's called us and uh, out of a, a, a dark life, darkness, death, given us new life, uh, given us the light of the gospel. And with that, He creates the fruit of the lips. And then we praise and worship God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You used to worship something before you worshiped God. Amen. Yeah, you did. You worshiped a ball game. You worshiped a singer. You worshiped a, uh, your job. You worshiped something. But we come to Jesus and, we, and, we, and we, we have a, we're new creatures in Christ. We have a new set of faculties about us, spiritual faculties. And, um, and then everything becomes new. And uh, your desires and your, your, uh, the things that you want and desire in your life totally change. That's the way it's supposed to be. Hebrews chapter 9, going to read a portion of scripture here. And then we're going to go to chapter 3, verse 1, just the first verse. But Hebrews 10, we're going to start reading with verse 9. But let's pray before we go and read the Word of God. Heavenly Father, today I come and I ask you to just be with us as you have been in the worship service and every part of this service. Be with us this morning, Lord, and meet us in this place as we open up the Word of God. I pray that you will begin to give it. Uh, light and entrance into our heart and our life, and God, that it will begin to impact us and uh, be activated in faith in our life and our heart, because you said in your word, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this morning, I pray that this will, will, will absolutely revolutionize our lives concerning what you have done for us and who we who we have in this great high priest that we have in you, Lord. I ask you to anoint, God, these lips of clay. Help me. Let my mind be clear. Let it be fluid, Father God. And uh, let me just flow with the Spirit of God. And we'll give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. In Hebrews 10, verse 9, it says, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will. Talking about Jesus, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man... After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. I just want to stop for a second and say, if you are living your Christian life and it seems like 
that you never believe those sins are taken away. It's because you do not understand or believe that what Jesus did was once and for all. People live beneath the power of God through the work of the cross. They live beneath it. And that's not what God has for us. It's not His best. But He says, For by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us, for after that He had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, we sang about it this morning, that is to say His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that is promised. Now we're going to come back to these scriptures a little bit later. But right now I just want us to turn to Hebrews 3, just a few pages to the left. Verse 1, and this is what I've entitled my message. Consider our high priest. Because the writer of Hebrews, which was Paul, (laughs) said, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. And I just simply want to preach this morning, consider our high priest. And um, I love preaching on Jesus and his office of the high priest. I love to preach on the Savior. I love to preach on, uh, you know, the Redeemer and, and all of these things. But I love to preach on Jesus as our high priest because, because of the completeness and perfection of the redemptive work of Christ dying on the cross is so powerful to me. It has to be what is powerful to us and what gives uh, uh, strength and energy and power and drive and faith behind uh, our Christian life. I don't view the cross and our great high priest as a theoretical scripture in just theory. A lot of people, they read the Bible and it's just theory. But it's not theory to me, it's life. Is it life to you today? Because it's life to me. It's not just words on a paper. It's the old love story of the old rugged cross and the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Paul said it, and I quote it all the time. He said, to those that perish, the cross is foolishness. But unto us that are saved, that are redeemed, it is the power of God. It is not theoretical. It is not theory. It is life. It is power. And, uh, and it's very important that we view it personally. I, review, I view the cross personally. It's to me. Jesus would have died only for me. He would have died only for you. He died for all of humanity. But you have to take it personal unto you. He died for you. 
He went to the cross for you. And it's not just a theoretical story. It's a personal message and a personal work to you and I both. It's mystical to me. And when I say mystical, I don't want you to think I'm weird when I say that. You know, when I say mystical, mystical simply means something spiritual that's understood beyond knowledge, intelligence, or senses. There is something that God does down deep within us when we are born again that you cannot explain, but you know God did something. Amen. It's a position of direct communion with God and an ultimate reality, an ultimate reality in God that's so powerful that no matter what somebody comes to try to tell you that God doesn't exist, you say, you're too late to tell me that. He's already proven to me that He exists. There is something mystical about this relationship with God. It's a position of communion. And it's why you can't explain when you're born again. You're just born again. The old farmer said, it's better felt than telt. It's not grammatically or grammatically correct, however you say it, but it's, it works. You just feel it. It's down deep within your soul. It's something there you cannot explain. It's as real as the passion felt by the harlot mama that stopped Solomon from killing her baby. Do you remember the story of Solomon and how that he had asked for wisdom and the first thing that he had come across his path was two harlots. They both had babies. One of the women in the book of, I believe it's 2 Kings or 1 Kings, rolled over onto her baby and killed that baby in the night but she took the dead baby put it in the arms on the bed of the mama that was sleeping and took her live baby and went over and began to caress him and the next day the mama knew that ain't my baby amen that's somebody else's baby and she said you took my child I did not so they went before Solomon and Solomon said bring me a sword and he held that baby up by the foot and he said I'm going to slice this baby right down the middle and give you half and give you half. And the real mother said, no, don't do it. Give it to her. I'd rather live than die. He said, that's a real mama right there. There's something seriously passionate about God. It's something deeper than just, you know, surface. What am I saying to you? That she was moved by a deep attachment. We have a deep attachment, a deep experience whenever we really truly have been born again and we know God. This is what I'm trying to convey to you today about the great high priest. We're going to get there in just a minute. But that's how I feel about the scriptures in Hebrews on the high priest. Hebrews teaches more on the high priest in the New Testament Testament than anywhere in the New Testament and Hebrews teaches more on the great high priest and the high priest than anywhere else in the Bible except for Exodus that's a fact and why because Hebrews is to the Jewish believers Hebrews is to the Jewish believers and the high priest was everything to the Jewish believers you know why because everything hung on that priest going in there and connecting with Yahweh. His life, the sacrifice that he made, and the fact that he came back out alive meant everything. Because that's why they had bells on their 
on their robes and their garments, the ephod. That's why they had bells on there because they said if we hear the bells ringing, then we know that he's still alive. But if the bells stop ringing, then he must have been an ungodly priest. Well, Aaron went in, made the sacrifice in the book of Exodus, and he came back out. So the, the, the Jewish people were like, praise God. God accepted our offering. He accepted the sacrifice that we made. The day of atonement has taken place. We've been forgiven, at least for a season. The high priest was very important. That's why in the book of Hebrews, there's many references and teaching on the high priest and how that Jesus as the great high priest was greater than Moses, was greater than Melchizedek, was greater than angels, is greater than any patriarch or any prophet. He said, he said God in times past spoke through our fathers and the prophets, but now He speaks through His Son who is that great high priest. And it's very important that we understand we have an awesome, great high priest. I'm going to share with you why. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, if you look at a person, you know, a, a doctor, there are people that put great confidence in doctors. When you go in for surgery and that doctor says, I'm going to open up that heart and I'm going to clean out those arteries or I'm going to take a vein from your leg and you're going to have a bypass, whether it's double bypass, triple bypass, or quadruple bypass, you're putting your faith and trust in the doctor. I'm not, this isn't, Folks, this isn't an interrogation of faith. I'm making a statement. When you go in there, you say, you know what? I trust this doctor. I barely know his name. Probably can't pronounce it. But I'm trusting that my life is in his hands. He's going to cut open my heart, and he's going to do all this work. And I'm just, you know, and, and the, the, the family's sitting out in the lobby, and the doctor comes out, they run up and they go, did they make it? They made it. They're breathing. They're on the heart machine, but they're coming through it. They're recovering. They're going to be fine. We, the Jews put great confidence in that great, everything hung upon that high priest. I want you to get it today. Everything hung on that high priest. Just like everything hangs on that doctor in the natural whenever your life is on the line. Well, they said our forgiveness Everything's wrapped up in the fact that he goes in there and he makes that sacrifice and he comes back out and says, verdict of peace, God forgave. Okay? Now, that's all Old Testament high priest. We're going to talk about Jesus today. Jesus is our great high priest. You hear me? He's our great high priest. He was the offerer and the offering. He wasn't just the offerer, the one that offered. He was the offering. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9 verse 12, it says, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood. Hebrews 9 12, He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal 
redemption for us. Did you read that? Eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's exciting stuff. You know why this has to be preached? Because you need to know why you're shouting. People shout and they go, Woo! Amen. Jesus did it. What did he do? I don't know. He just, I just, I feel it. I don't know how to explain it. Well, I'm explaining it to you. It's important that we know the word of God and we don't just build our faith off of feeling. Feeling's great, but you need to have some substance, substance behind it so you know why you're shouting. And the reason I'm shouting and praising God today is because I have a great high priest who, who went in there and did what no priest in the Old Testament could do. Priest after priest after priest after priest died. And they continued to make sacrifices. They'd raise up another priest. God would. But they never did a sacrifice that did anything but purify in the flesh. But God did something that changed our hearts. He not only forgave us, but He did something internal where our conscience was cleansed. He says it here in the Word of God. And I'll read it one more time. He said, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? The greatest emotion or feeling, greatest thing that can take place in us is when the much more happens to us. Are you with me this morning? The much more. What's the much more? It says it here in the, the Word of God. I just read it to you in verse 14. How much more? What Jesus did was so much more. It was greater. And you've got to believe it this morning. God's going to get it down in your spirit today. I understand it much more. I see it much more. I love Him much more. That's what has to happen in us. I get it, God. I understand the much more. I, I feel the much more. I see the much more because the revelation has come to me. Now I want you to turn with me to Exodus chapter 28 because we've talked in the New Testament about the, the, the great high priest in Jesus Christ. But I want you to go to this Old Testament and I want you to see some of the things that I believe will give you a visual so that you and your visual can understand what Christ did and is doing for you and I. Amen? The Bible says, and let me, let me not get ahead of myself here. In Exodus 28, it will give you this understanding and faith that you so need in your Christian experience to understand what God has done. In chapter 25 through 27, God gives all the detailed dimensions of the tabernacle, but chapter 28 is the priest's garment and the office of ministry of the priest. In chapter 28, He gives the detail of the linen ephod and the breastplate. 
And I want us to read this. Now I know I've read a lot of scripture and I'm going to read a lot more here. But stay here with me. Because I want you to get this this morning. Because what was done in the natural, there's spiritual, spiritual symbolic things that carry over into our relationship with God. And thus why we're taking communion today because when you partake of that, you, you, are, you are partaking of the work that God did. You're saying, I believe it. I believe it. It's in me. The Bible says in chapter 28, And take thou unto thee Aaron, your brother. He's talking to Moses. He says, Moses, take Aaron and his sons with him from among the children of Israel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aaron's sons. And thou shalt make holy garments for Aaron. Did you hear that? Holy garments for Aaron thy brother for glory and beauty. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the spirit of wisdom, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate and an ephod, a robe, a broidered, broidered coat, a miter, a girdle. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, thy brother, and his sons, that, they, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. The first, I just want to stop and say this, they had an ephod which was like a... a, a uh, well, there was breeches underneath, but then there was like almost like a, a garment that goes over that. There was a coat, there was a hat. I know they used all these different terminologies of miter and all of these different things, but a hat. They had all kind of sash. They had all kinds of things that was on that priest's garment. And um, uh, I'm not going to get into all of those things, but one of the things that I think is profound is that he said, he said, these garments are made for Aaron as the priest so that he can minister to me. Our first ministry should be unto God. I worship Him first. I praise Him first. Everything that I do comes and originates from where I've been in His presence. I go there first. I'm with Him first. He's my first priority. There's a lot of people that put ministry over their worship and ministry unto God. I can tell you, we're not going to be effective if we don't put Him first. And I, I assure you, it's easy to do. but Because uh, we get caught up in, in wanting to be effective in ministry. And that, but we have to be before our God first. And so that's what He says. He says that Aaron may minister unto me in the priest's office. Verse 5, And they shall take gold and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen, and they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, of purple, of scarlet, and of fine twined linen with cunning work. I want to stop and say to you that there's something very important. First thing that I noticed here in the Word of God was that the high priest's garments were of the same materials as the tabernacle. Read it on your own time. Don't do it while I'm preaching. You're going to miss the great points. But the same colors, the same materials that were in that tabernacle is what was on the priest's garment. Why is that? Because I can tell you the tabernacle and the priest 
moving and looking to the future were one. Did you hear me? Or one. And I'll take it even further. What does the Bible say? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So keep it holy. What he's saying is, you're the church. You're the church. You're the church. And you're in Christ. When they see me, they should see Christ. We're not two different people. I don't have my Christian personality and my other personality. Amen. I've had people before say, well, that's just my personality. Well, you need to pray and ask God to change it. Somebody said to me one time, well, I prayed and God said I'm okay that way. And I said, well, I'm telling you the Word of God says you're not. Amen. I read a bumper sticker a long time ago. It said, Jesus may love you, but everybody else thinks you're a jerk. We laugh, but there shouldn't be a double life. We should be the same everywhere we are. We should be Jesus in the church. Jesus in front of church people. We should act like Jesus in the store. Not get mad and throw cans and yell at the cashier. Scream at the person in the drive-thru and throw the food back at them. Jesus in the gym. Look. Every one of us should understand the priest and the temple have the similarities of them because we're not supposed to be separated from Christ. We're to be one with Him. We are one with Him. Not to be one, we are one with Him. And you cannot separate the high priest from his church. As flawed as we are, God does not reject us he's not ashamed of us in fact in hebrews 2 11 through 12 he says i'm not ashamed of them in fact i'm so not ashamed of them i call them my brethren they're my body so we're, we're going somewhere he said this is so awesome you may not be shouting much but you will be in verse 2 i'm sorry in verse 7 of chapter 28 he said, it shall have the two shoulder pieces. This is the priest's garment. Thereon joined at the two edges thereof. And so it shall be joined together. You know, you see fashion today. And you've seen it of old, of royalty. They get all of that information and all of that style from the Bible. Shoulder pads didn't start with Gucci or any of the other Ralph Lauren or Armani or any St. John suits? No. I can tell you shoulder pads with decoration on them started in the Bible. Amen. He said them priests should have that on their shoulders. And, and, and it shall have the two shoulder pieces therefore joined Thereof joined at the two edges thereof, and so it shall be joined together. And the curious girdle of the ephod, which is upon it, shall be of the same according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, and purple, and scarlet, and fine twined linen. And thou shalt take two onyx stones, very important scripture, two onyx stones, and grave on them the names of the children of Israel. Six on their names on one stone, and six other names of the rest on the other stone according to their birth. So what he did was, he had shoulder 
a shoulder, whatever you want to call that apparatus on, on the priest's garment. And he said, I want you to take a stone on this side and a stone on this side and engrave the names of the children of Israel, the tribes. All six on one side, all six on the other side. I found that very, very interesting. I found it very interesting and encouraging because the second thing that I took note of is the stones on the shoulders bear the names as a memorial, six on each side equally represented. And the Bible says in Isaiah 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders. He is the bearer of our burdens. He's the one that bore our sin on His shoulder. Did He not bear the cross as He walked, which was the cross of judgment, of punishment, of sin that we should have paid, but He bore it on His shoulders. And your name was on there. Oh, because for God so loved the world, that encompasses everybody in the world because his covenant that he made, he made with Abraham and his seed. So it's with the Hebrew people which began with Abraham. So we're all lumped into that. But God brings it down to an even more refined level. Listen. Jesus bore our sin and every burden we care carry that's why Peter said, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. It gets better. Read with me. Starting with verse, um, verse 11. It says, with the work of an engraver in a stone like the engravings of a signet, shalt thou engrave the two stones, the shoulder stones, which the names of the children of Israel thou shalt Make them to be set in ouches of gold or little pouches, little settings of gold. And thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Israel. And Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for memorial. So when Aaron went in with that priest's garment on, he had representation of six tribes on this side, six tribes on that side. And thou shalt make ouches of gold and two chains of pure gold, verse 14, at the ends of, of wreath and work shalt thou make them and fasten the wreath and chains to the, the ouches. And the Bible says, and thou shalt make the breastplate of judgment. This is powerful. It's a breastplate. Imagine that. A breastplate of judgment. With cunning work after the work of the ephod, thou shalt make it of gold and of blue and of purple and scarlet and of fine twined linen. Thou shalt make it four square. It shall be, uh, it shall be being doubled. A span shall be the length and, the, and a span shall be the breadth thereof. And this is so powerful. Listen. And thou shalt set in it settings of stones. Even four rows of stones. The first row shall be a sardis, a topaz, a carbuncle. This shall be the first row. Row. The second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, a diamond. The third row, a ligure, a gate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a barrel, an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their closings, their enclosings. And the stones 
The stones shall be with the names of the children of Israel. Twelve according to their names. Like the engravings of a signet, everyone with his name shall be according to the twelve tribes. And thou shalt make upon the breastplate chains and the ends of, the ends of wreathen work of pure gold. Now I want to stop for just, no, I want to read down. I'm sorry, in verse 29. It says, And Aaron shall bear the names of the children of Israel and the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goeth in unto the holy place for a memorial before the Lord continually. And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. Every tribe, every tribe had a stone. There was two stones on the shoulder, six names, six names. But then he said, I want you to put a breastplate, and I want you to put specific stones, 12 of them. Amen? Four rows of three. Four times three is 12. For all you that know math. Every gym had its name, had its unique color, had its unique stone. They had the name of that tribe engraved upon them. Every gym had its own color, had its unique worth. Every gym reflected light differently and beautifully. Everyone in this body is significant. Everybody has their own significant uniqueness about them. Amen. I can tell you, there are people in here that are super, super serious. And sometimes you need serious people around you. But I'm going to tell you, sometimes we just don't need to take life just quite so serious and we need to just kind of loosen up a little bit. I'm not talking about sin. I'm just saying just keep it light. Amen? Because I can tell you the world has too much going on and we serve a God who's a God of peace to be so, you know, strung so tight. So sometimes, you know, you want to be around somebody serious. And, that, and then sometimes you want to be around somebody that loves to laugh. Amen. If you ever get around Inez, you're going to laugh. She is a bundle of joy. Amen. God put her with a very serious man. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. She's like a helium balloon. you got to pull down that string every once in a while. Amen. Just come on back down here, Inez. Down here to the ground level. Amen. Praise God. God puts people in our life. He couples us with people in our life. Amen. Everybody has a uniqueness about them in their life. Who they are. Their, their demeanor. Their, you know, everybody. We have different giftings. We have different callings. We have different things about us that God uses in the ministry, in the body of Christ. Every one of us has a significance about us. Did you hear me? Every one of us. It's so awesome. There are things that you can do that I cannot do. There are things that I can do that you cannot do do that's the way God made us if we could do everything if if you could do everything and you didn't have any shortcomings or any things that you couldn't do in your life I can tell you this world would be full of a lot more prideful people but it takes the body 
And God uniquely put us there because He wants us all to work and function and in unity. Amen? Listen. The breastplate is worn into the Holy of Holies by the great high priest. And when Jesus offered His blood as our sacrifice, it wasn't in the earthly temple, but the throne of heaven. The Bible says that in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 24. I'm going to read it to you. He said in Hebrews 9, 24, He said, For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. When Jesus entered in once and for all, we went in there with Him. Did, 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 did y'all not hear me? When Jesus went into the throne to present the blood, to say, Father, I went to the cross, I shed my blood, I didn't run in the Garden of Gethsemane. I didn't cave in the wilderness. I obeyed you all the way to the finished work of the cross. And God accepted His sacrifice. But when He went in there, He did not go alone. He went in there with the breastplate on, with all of those stones of everybody's name, and I can tell you Kyle's name was on that breastplate. Gabe's name was on that breastplate. Anya's name was on that breastplate. Adrian's name was on that breastplate. Every one of us was on that breastplate. And so when he went into the throne of God to begin to present the blood, it was accepted. You were accepted. I was accepted. And we are one with him. We are one with Him. Verse 11 states, chapter 9, verse 10. Oh my. I'm sorry, chapter 10, verse 10. He said, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We. Did you hear that? By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Because we went in there with Him. Verse 11 says, and every, high, every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. But this man, he sat down at the right hand of God. First time that ever happened in history. There was never a chair in the temple or in the tabernacle. 
There, are you hearing me? There was no chair in the tabernacle or the temple because the high priest went in, he made the offering, and he came out. There's no use in me sitting down because i got to go back and do it again. I've got to go back year after year, week after week, month after month, whatever the frequency of it was, but I've got to go back and make a sacrifice again. So there's no reason for me to sit down in the tabernacle because my work is not done. But when Jesus went in and presented all of the blood and the sacrifice, the Bible says He sat down at the right hand of the Father because His work was done done his work was done first time it ever happened in Jewish history it was done it was done we went in there with him attached to his breastplate attached to his heart you heard me and he sat down because the work was done this man. And henceforth, from here on out, every enemy is made a footstool. So by you going in with him, his victory is your victory. By him going and being accepted by God the Father for the sacrifice, you were accepted. Do you get that? The scripture says that we're buried with him and we raise with him. Amen. His death was our death. His resurrection life is our resurrection life. Everything that Jesus did when we're in Him, it's ours. His victory is our victory. His power is our power. His miracle working supernatural power is ours. Everything that He did is ours. Do you get it? Amen. Me and Sister Skiles are one. Now, I know it's a marriage relationship, but I want you to understand. What's mine is hers. What's hers is mine. We're one. Amen. I don't have to ask her, can I go spend money at the bank? She doesn't ask me, can I use it? No, it's our money. We're together. When you see me, you see her. We're one. Amen. What's mine is hers. It's not my house. It's our house. They're not my kids. They're our kids. Amen. It's not my success or my victory or anything, me alone. We're in this together. When we are in Christ, everything that's His, that He did, is ours. I love it. He said, from henceforth, I'm almost done here. Stay here with me. From henceforth, from here on out, Every enemy is made a footstool. So if they're not made a footstool, it's not because of God. It's because of you. It's because you don't believe it. It's because you don't receive it. It's because you don't believe it. But he said, from here forth, every enemy is made a footstool. Sin shall not have dominion over you. That's right. Sin shall not have dominion over you and I. Because Jesus conquered sin. He conquered the devil. He conquered him. 
We overcame him. He, we overcame him, it says, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We have no testimony without going through the blood. But once you go through the blood, you've got a testimony. Amen. Condemnation shall not overtake you. The Bible says, Romans 8, 1, uh, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I know it says, Who walk not according to the flesh, but in the Spirit. But, listen to me, condemnation does not, should not, cannot overtake you if you stay in Christ. <laughs> You're condemned because you don't realize what's been done for you. Torment shall not overtake you. The word gives us powerful verdict of peace and hope. In verse 14 he says, For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Perfected. You must believe this. You must accept this. Or you're in the old law. He finished it completely, entirely, thoroughly, wholly. Chapter 10 verse 1 says For the law The law Having I want you to see this For the law Having a shadow of good things to come And not the very image of the things Can never with those sacrifices Which they offered year by year Continually Make the comers thereunto perfect But it says over In verse 14 he says, and I'll read it again. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. I know that you must come to Christ. Clearly. We must be in Christ. But in Christ we're accepted. In Christ we're perfected. In Christ we have everything that God said about Jesus. He says and pronounces upon us. We're his children. Amen. In chapter 10 verse 1 he says we were never perfected. But in chapter in verse 14 we are now perfected. Because of what Christ did. Because we are one with him. Everything that's his is ours. His sacrifice is ours. His victory is ours. His acceptance is ours. His power is ours. We are accepted in the beloved. And he's beloved. But practically... When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, something happens. What happens, Pastor? So glad you asked. The Holy Ghost gives us a witness. It's all here. If I preached it line by line, verse by verse, we'd be here for three or four hours But the Holy Ghost is a witness. See, we, we read this. We see it in Exodus. We see Aaron represents pointing to Christ as the great high priest. But Aaron represents what Christ did. He bore the sins of the world on his shoulders. He has every name close to his heart. You're not excluded. You're in that number. Amen. You're in that. Do you know you fit into one of those tribes? I don't know what tribe you're from, but you're from one of them. 
Amen. Some of you say, I'm the diamond. Amen. You might be an amethyst. As long as you're not an atheist. Amen. <laughs> you just don't know what stone. Sorry, that just popped out. But the Holy Ghost gives us a witness. A new powerful covenant is activated. An understanding. Uh, uh, that when he says covenant, it means an understanding in your heart. A disposition from God. God looks at you differently. See, we automatically think a covenant is an agreement between me and another person. They bring something to the table. I bring something to the table. That's what happens with the contract. We're going to sign a contract on our building. And she's getting so much a month and a, a one-year lease. And we're getting the use of this beautiful building. Okay? That's two people coming together with a contract. A covenant is totally different. A covenant, especially from God, there's only one person that really truly has a bargaining chip and leverage. Or I shouldn't even say leverage, but comes and offers something, and it's God. Because we have nothing to offer Him. Right? We have nothing to offer Him but brokenness and strife and disobedience and unfaithfulness and a sinful life. But He comes and He says, I'm giving you everything. I'm the one coming with all of the resources of heaven, the character of God, all the love, all the mercy, all the grace. I've come and I've put everything out there. You don't have anything to bring to the table. But whenever I make covenant with you, I've touched you. I've changed you. And then you begin to be somebody different. Then you be begin to come and make your way towards God. And that's what I'm talking about today. We read about the high priest, but what we don't realize is he went in, he bore the world on his shoulders. He said, I've got the people that are redeemed on my heart. And he said, when I came into the throne of God and I presented all of that, God released the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Released it. Released it. You hear me? He released it. The Bible's very clear. John 20 and 21. It was at that moment when Jesus walked through the walls, He breathed upon them. The Spirit of God. Do you, you get it? <clears throat> so I'm reading this final scripture. The Holy Ghost witness. He says. Ah, verse 12. I'm building up. This man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins. Forever. Sat down. On the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting until his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember 
no more. Did you hear that? The Holy Ghost gives a witness in our heart that changes our conscience. He changes our heart. He removes the stony heart and puts one in a flesh. He puts in us a heart that wants to keep His laws. He puts in us a heart that's movement towards God. Do you see this? It's a witness of the Holy Ghost. It's a supernatural change that takes place in our hearts and our minds. Thus why the stones and the gems are all over his heart. I had a grandmother that passed away in the, a, a, a couple months ago. She passed away and um, right after we got uh, out of camp. And, and, but my grandma, she had 45 grandkids. She had 12 Grands, and the rest of them were great-grands and great-great-grands. And every time she had a grandbaby born, she bought one of them little gems with their kid's birthstone in it. And if it was a boy, it was a boy one. And if it was a girl, it was a girl one. And she had them on her chain. But when she first started, she only had about 12. Then she started adding them, great-grandkids, then great-great-grandkids. Next thing you know, she had them charms from here all the way to here. Everywhere my grandma went, they'd look at her and say, my goodness, you've got a necklace full of all them gems. Every one of them is my grandkids. Every one of them is my grandbabies. Amen. That's what Jesus did. He said, this is my children. This is what I died for. And he stepped into that holy of holies. And when God accepted him, he accepted you. And he accepted me. Why am I telling you this? Because when we pray and when we're living our life, sometimes I feel like I don't feel like it. I know the enemy makes us feel like God doesn't love us, that we're not forgiven. Anybody ever had that thought? Feel like you're not worthy? Well, none of us worthy. But he says you're worthy. You're in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We're in Christ. Amen. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. In Him. That's why it's so important that we stay abiding in Him and stay close to Him. Don't lose sight of that. He's wearing that breastplate with them stones on there, and you're one of them. That ought to make you so overwhelmed with joy and hope. You know what? God hasn't excluded me. The devil may have said, cross me off. But I can tell you, he's not the Savior. He's just the, 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 the accuser. But I can tell you, God doesn't say you're accused. He says you're forgiven. Amen. He says you're forgiven. And when the Bible says that he takes our sin and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. How far is that? that far throws it in the sea and he remembers it no more i'm hoping that you read something today and you heard something that when you pray you'll have a hope because when when we know the word of god it gives us faith and you would go before god and say lord because i know there's times we feel that small we feel that trashy we feel that low but when you begin to start praying the word of god will begin to build you up wait a minute Lord, when you went into the throne room, you took me with you. You didn't take that breastplate off and say, you know what, you can't come in here with me. You're too unclean. You're too, 
You're too dirty. You're too, there's nothing that will separate you from the love of God. Amen. I've been there where I felt separated. But God said, nothing shall separate you from my love. You're in the palm of my hand, engraved. Amen. See, what the enemy wants to do, and the Lord told me to share this story before I close. The devil wants to torment and terrorize people because they don't know the power and the blood and the sacrifice. I'm going to share a story with you that some of you, it'll help you. There was a little girl who was highly allergic to bees. Couldn't get stung. Allergic, she'd have to go to the hospital. Swell up. There's some people that have died from bee stings. Well, a bee flew in the car. While her dad and her were driving down the road, she was in the back seat. And she screamed at the top of her lungs. Daddy, there's a bee! There's a bee! There's a bee! And he said, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. There's a bee. She's screaming. You know how little girls can scream at the top of their lungs? (laughs) Screaming, screaming, and tear tears streaming down her face. That bee's flying around. Her dad grabbed that bee. That bee had his hand. And he let that bee go. And here he went. She said, Daddy, the bees, it's here again, it's here again, it's flying around. He said, It's okay, honey. It's okay, calm down. It's all right. I got the stinger in my hand. Because see, he can't hurt you no more. Did you hear me? The stinger's in my hand. He can fly around and he can torment you and try to make you be afraid, but he can't touch you anymore. I took the stinger. Out of the back of that bee, he took our sin, our pain, our shame, everything. And today, we're going to take communion. And when we take communion, I want you to realize what Jesus did for you and me. I want to give you a time to pray because the Bible says we're to examine ourselves before we take communion. You need to pray through. You need to ask God to forgive you. You need to clean something up. Do it. But do not fail to come and take communion if you've made things right with God. Because what you're saying is I'm excluding myself when God didn't exclude me. I mean, we we don't want to take it unworthily. We want to take it and say, Lord, thank you for what you did for me in the body and the blood. And take it and let it be a blessing to you. Not a torment. Because he went in that place with you on his chest, near his heart. You hear me this morning? Would you bow your heads in prayer? Thank you, Father, today. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you for the word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. You are a good, good Father. We thank you today. Lord, I just ask you as we come to this time of a close in the service, that you will minister to each and every person this morning.
that you will draw by your spirit. You'll draw each and every person. That we will all examine ourselves before we take communion. But Lord, that we will not hesitate to take communion. Because if we don't, what we're saying, God, is that we don't want to obey you and we don't believe you. And Lord, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I pray today, Lord, that we'll make an altar, whether in our seat or we'll come up here to the front and pray. But before we take communion this morning, God, that we will seek your face. In Jesus' 